0: It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Thursday, May 12th, 2016. We have 11 ships on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have north winds 5 to 10 knots today. And today we'll take a look at an article about the future of fossil fuel exports on the Columbia. But first, to look at our Columbia River ship schedule for the day. We have eight inbounders, so lots of inbound traffic today. One ship in the Astoria anchorage. We have a cruise ship at the port of Astoria, and we have two outbounders heading downriver and out to sea. Our first arrival in the river is the new keeper. She's arriving from Japan, headed for Vancouver's anchorage. She's going upriver to pick up wheat. She'll pass Astoria around 3 a.m. and arrive in Vancouver by about 9 a.m. The Sheila Ann is arriving from Mexico. She's a bulk carrier headed for the um, U.S. gypsum plant in Rainier. She's coming in to deliver a cargo of gypsum. And kind of an unusual thing to see a bulk carrier coming into the Columbia to deliver a cargo, but she is one of those rare vessels that does that. Most of our bulk carriers come in light and leave loaded. So the Sheila Ann will pass Astoria around 4 a.m. and arrive in Rainier around 7.30 in the morning. And an interesting note about her She is leaving the same day that she arrives, so she's going to get to Rainier uh, probably about 7.30 in the morning, um, unload her cargo, and then depart by 3 p.m., so that is a very short turnaround time, so we may see her outbound again around 6.30 p.m. unless something changes. Uh, next to inbound is the Overseas Boston. She's a petroleum tanker. She will uh, arrive from offshore and uh, head to Portland. She'll pass Astoria around 5.30 a.m., and you may see her in the Portland area around 11.30 in the morning. The Regatta is a cruise ship that's arriving from San Francisco, headed for the port of Astoria. Look for her arriving there around 7 a.m. And the Swansea is a a bulk carrier arriving from China, headed for Astoria's Anchorage. She'll be heading upriver to pick up weed eventually. And uh, she'll arrive in Astoria's Anchorage around 10 a.m. The articulated tug-and-barge rig, the Sound Reliance, is arriving from Ferndale, headed for Vancouver's Anchorage. Her cargo is petroleum, and she will pass Astoria around 10.30 a.m. inbound, and you might see her in Vancouver by around 4.30 p.m. The Hojin is a... uh, Car Carrier, arriving from Vancouver, B.C., headed for Vancouver, Washington. She has brand new Subarus on board. She'll pass Astoria around 1.30 p.m., and you might see her in Vancouver by about 7.30 this evening. The York Gate is our last inbounder for the day so far. She's arriving from the west coast of Canada, somewhere up north of Puget Sound, and she will uh, be going to the Port of Portland to pick up potash. So she'll pass Astoria maybe around 12.30 a.m. on Friday, so a bit after midnight. Um, arriving in Portland around 6.30 in the morning on Friday morning. In the Astoria Anchorage, we have the N Bonanza awaiting orders. In our outbounders, we have the Dalian Highway, another car carrier, heading out of Portland with Hondas on board, leaving around 1.30 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 7.30 p.m. And the Sheila Ann, as I said, is also going to be outbound today later in the day. In our marine weather forecast, we have wind waves from the north, 2 feet high, at 4 seconds apart, and northwest swells, 4 feet high, at 8 seconds. Well, I came across this article very interesting article, which is kind of an analysis of the fossil fuel energy industry in the Pacific Northwest, and especially uh, with regard to Columbia River projects for exporting fuels here. So I thought I'd share some excerpts from this article with you. It's very interesting. It's from a website called crosscuts.com, and the author is Daniel Jack Chasen. So I'm just going to read you some parts of it. Not so long ago, it seemed as if every time you turned around, somebody new was proposing to ship fossil fuels through the Pacific Northwest. The Salish Sea and the Columbia River were going to become greenhouse gas central. Now a lot of those proposals have floundered and others look less plausible. Last month, Oregon LNG abandoned its effort to build a liquefied natural gas export facility at the mouth of the Columbia River. Four days later, Northwest Innovation Works scrapped its lease for a site to build a methanol plant at the port of Tacoma. Meanwhile, American coal companies have been plunging into bankruptcy. An estimated one-quarter of the industry has gone off a cliff. In January, Arch Coal, the nation's second-largest coal company, which owns 38 percent of the proposed Millennium Bulk Terminals Coal Export Facility project at Longview, they filed for bankruptcy. In April, the nation's largest coal company, Peabody Energy, followed suit and filed bankruptcy as well. Major fossil fuel export projects are still on the table. Gateway Pacific and Millennium are still under review. The Tesoro Savage plans for an oil shipping facility at the Port of Vancouver has gotten a lease extension. Two methanol plants are planned along the Columbia River. Two oil pipelines and a coal port expansion are still being considered in British Columbia. But do any of them still make economic sense? Some critics have long doubted it. As the Vancouver Columbian reported, some analysts still see good sense, for instance, in the Tesoro Corporation and Savage Company's plans for a terminal in Vancouver. But even among them, there is some caution about full development of an oil terminal there in the short term. A draft environmental impact statement for the Millennium Project, this is the one in Longview, came out April 29th, noting that Millennium, quote, states further development of western U.S. coal fields and the growth of Asian market demand for U.S. coal is expected to continue, unquote. No doubt that was truly the expectation in 2010 when the project received its first permit. But now, the past tense seems more appropriate. Coal is a dead man walking, says Clark Williams-Derry of the Sightline Institute, which opposes the coal projects. He talks about, quote, zombie proposals. There's no way you can get U.S. coal off the coast at anything approaching a profit, he said. Environmentalists have predicted coal's demise before, only to see it rise again when the cost of other fossil fuels gets high enough to make it economically attractive again. But this time may be different. The recent bankruptcies of the nation's leading coal producers are the latest benchmark in the steady decline of the coal industry. This is from uh, an article in a New York Times op ed written by Tom Sanzillo and David Schlissel of the Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis. The U.S. economy has experienced a slow, modest recovery at the same time the coal industry has collapsed, explained Tom Sanzillo. This decoupling is historically unprecedented. Well, what happened? A lot. The price of natural gas plummeted, making coal a higher-priced alternative, as well as dirtier and less climate-friendly. Regulations meant to reduce conventional pollution and, more recently, greenhouse gas emissions have imposed costs and uncertainty on coal. A few years ago, some coal companies, including Peabody, borrowed to acquire new companies. Sanzillo suggests that, quote, the current set of bankruptcies is due in many ways to a growing realization that the debt cannot be paid off, unquote. The Asian market at which these Northwest export facilities were aimed has gone south. In addition, Sanzillo says utilities realize their existing coal plants are producing less re- revenue, which raises questions about investing in environmental retrofits. The prospects for oil and natural gas look brighter than those for coal, but the prospects for significantly higher prices don't look bright at all, especially after OPEC and Russia failed in mid-April to agree on a production freeze. Not long ago, Williams Dairy said, oil was going to be 80 bucks forever. Now, 20 to $50 is the new normal, and we haven't even begun to see fracking technology exported overseas to any great extent. Well, what about markets in China and elsewhere in Asia? A few years ago, they looked insatiable. Now they don't. The Chinese economic slowdown is only part of the story. China and India have adopted a policy of increasing their reliance on domestic coal, and their interest in imported coal has waned. On the surface, at least, Asian markets remain relevant. A company owned by the Chinese government is the main partner in Northwest Innovation Works, which still seeks permits to build methanol plants on the Columbia River at Kalama and the port of St. Helens in Oregon. The plants would basically export natural gas, combine methane with water and get methanol, ship it to China, process it. Now you have raw materials for plastics, many of which will presumably be headed back our way. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening. You can find a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day.